The information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not contain or constitute and should not be interpreted as any form of medical advice or opinion. You should always seek the advice of your healthcare provider about any questions or concerns that you may have. Hello everyone, my name is Juliana Aiken. I'm the host of the Unfiltered podcast and a co-founder of Unfiltered. Today I'm interviewing Stephanie Newberg and she is a licensed psychotherapist working with individuals, couples and families. She has been in practice for more than 25 years, specializing in family and couples therapy, bullying, grief and loss, parenting support and the implications of divorce on children and families. In addition, Stephanie is a trained family and divorce mediator, co-parent counselor and has received intensive training in Sandray play therapy for adolescents and children. This is part three of the mini-series, Unpacking the Challenges of Co-Parenting with the Narcissist. This episode further unravels the trials of co-parenting with the narcissist, focusing on their disregard for boundaries, excessive micromanagement, use of parenting as a competition, tendencies to sabotage, deflect criticism, create enmeshed relationships, and make impulsive choices and decisions. Let's get started. Hi, Stephanie Newberg. It's so nice to have you back here. Yeah, thank you so much. It's just really been a pleasure being a part of this podcast. And I hope that I'm um, presenting and providing information to people that will be able to be used and able to be integrated and thought about and um, hopefully helpful to people. I'm sure it is helpful. I want to get started. And we have, again, different challenges that co-parenting with the narcissist uh, might might cause or that these challenges we might face when co-parenting with a narcissist and so uh we continue with these challenges and another challenge that one might uh face when co-parenting with the narcissist is boundary violations and narcissistic individuals may have difficulty respecting boundaries which can lead to boundary violations in the co-parenting relationship they may ignore or override their co-parents requests or boundaries or try to control or invade their co-parents personal space or time uh, stephanie can you give more detailed example of how boundary violations can could manifest in a co-parenting situation Yes, absolutely. Um, this is actually something that is unfortunately very typical and is seen a lot and experienced a lot and is very upsetting and problematic and hard because boundaries are probably the best thing that you can put in place to protect yourself, to get things you know, in at least a more structured way and to have some control over your life and to feel that you can, you know, again, have a somewhat more of a predictable environment around dealing with that person. I think what happens is that people with narcissistic traits tend to see boundaries as rejecting and um, not validating to their experience. They feel that they're not, um, that they're higher than that, that they don't deserve to have to have boundaries, that, that the other person doesn't deserve the boundaries that are put in place. And they can lash out and get really angry and resentful about them. And then that further sort of fuels their rage and frustration and the way that they treat their other partner. And so an example would be as if you said to somebody, you know, we're only going to communicate 
um, once a week by phone and then once a week by email with all the important issues that we have to address for that week or for that you know month. And that person completely violates that by constantly texting or bombarding somebody with multiple emails, multiple requests, knowing that that person uh, might have a work schedule that they can't respond in a certain amount of time, but demanding their time, even though that they do have a work schedule or other things that are absolutely necessary for them to be focusing on and not emails and correspondences. Um, that's, you know, one of the main ways that it happens or that they bombard them with calls or demand that they answer their questions or their, you know, requests about the other, about the child in that moment, rather than being patient and understanding that some things need to wait. So that that's actually one of the main ways that people see that happening. Mm, thank you. Yeah, I have also heard that the constant, you know, communication in, in, in that way that uh, even though they know the request, which was once a week or whatever the request was, and then they it just gets violated like that. Yeah, because they, they don't feel like they deserve to have boundaries. They don't believe in the boundaries. They don't feel like the boundaries should apply to them. They feel that they're above that. They feel like other person should really sort of kowtow to them and their needs and also see it as rejecting and personally like an affront to them that they're you know that then sort of makes them feel more diminished or less good about themselves and they can't tolerate or handle that feeling so the way that they handle it is by dismissing it or going against it or not following it or not respecting it or not acknowledging how it makes the other person feel they're just too focused on how it makes them feel Mm, yeah. Then uh, another challenge that we might face when co-parenting with a narcissist is micromanaging. And narcissistic individuals may try to micromanage their co-parents' parenting style or decisions in order to maintain control or to prove their super superiority. Superiority. They may criticize or second-guess their co-parents' choices or interfere in their co-parents' interactions with their children. Uh, can you, Stephanie, give us more detailed example of how micromanaging could manifest in a co-parenting situation? Yeah, it can it can manifest in the sense that they don't let the other parent have the freedom and ability to run their lives and do things the way they want to. So they can, you know, demand that they follow a certain schedule or that they they take kids to certain activities or that they. Um, you know, have to have their house cleaned in a certain way, or they have to um, follow exactly the way they want them to do something, whether it be like they, they dress the child in a certain way, or they um, have the child have a certain haircut or a certain style or certain interests. Um, they feel like they should be in fully in control about how this child runs their life or who they're with or who their friends are. Um, and then they really impose that on the other parent and, again, get very angry and nasty and, and degrading to that parent if they don't follow with that. They try to make the other parent feel guilty or bad that they're not doing what they think is right or, you know, parenting the child in the way that they want things to go in a very controlled and sort of specific way. Yeah, thank you. Then, uh, again, on the challenge that we might face when co-parenting with a narcissist is competition 
And narcissistic individuals may view co-parenting as a competition or a way to prove their superiority. They may compete with their co-parent for their child children's affection or loyalty or try to outdo their co-parent in terms of parenting skills or achievements. Can you, Stephanie, give us more detailed example of how competition could manifest in a co-parenting situation? Yeah, again, th these are all very unfortunately typical things that somebody who's working with a narcissistic co-parent will deal with. Um, they're trying to one-up them. They're trying to make themselves look better. They're trying to outdo them, whether it would be material gifts or trips or fancy places they take them or, um, you know, taking them on really special outings or taking them to places that are really, you know, very special and very expensive, knowing that the other parent can't afford that or can't do that. Um, they, they will say things bad about the other parent or put the other parent down in ways to make themselves look better so that the child might feel more of an allegiance or loyalty to the parent who's saying that they, um, grade or just in very sort of subtle ways, you know, make the other parent look worse, not as competent, not as successful, not as good at something, not able to be as organized, not being able to take care of something, not being able to take the child to a really like coveted or exciting place, um, offering the child re money rewards as a way of, you know, praising them and knowing that the other parent won't be able to do that. Um, sometimes even threatening, you know, different lawsuits or different legal means, knowing that they have more money and they can outdo um, or out, you know, perform in a legal setting, possibly by having more legal resources and a stronger lawyer who can um, take away some of the things that the other parent's doing or can interfere with that other parent's ability to have things for the child, knowing, you know, the, the narcissistic one, knowing that maybe they have the more resources to kind of fight the legal battles in ways they can manipulate the system to get more of what they want to make the other parent look bad, knowing that the other parent doesn't have the resources to fight that. Mm, yeah, thank you for that detailed list of things, how competition could look like. And the next challenge that we have uh, when co-parenting with the narcissist is sabotage and narcissistic individuals may attempt to sabotage their co-parents parenting efforts or their relationship with their children in order to maintain control or to seek revenge they may speak negatively about their co-parent to their children or try to turn their children against their co-parent can you stephanie give us more detailed example of how sabotage could manifest in a co-parenting situation yeah, and it, it can be very sort of subtle and it can also be very overt. It can look like, um, you know, I I know how to parent you better. I know how to understand you. I know how to um, make you feel better. I know how to meet your needs better than your other parent. I know how to talk to you in a way that makes you more comfortable. I know how to, you know, create an environment that you like more. I know how to get things in your in the house that will be better for you to play with. I can give you better rules or less constraints or make things more fun or take you out to eat more or, um, you know, make you your favorite things more than the other person can. Um, I'm willing to do all of these things for you that your other parent isn't willing to do, even though those things probably aren't necessarily reasonable or something that most parents would do anyway. Um, one of the ways it looks is, is that, um, they, you know, set that other parent up to fail, actually, like they set things up so that, 
that the child gets put in a place where they are going to just naturally pick the more narcissistic parent for a lot of reasons and then set it up so that the other parent fails or the child doesn't want to go there or the child it's not as desirable for the child to be with the other parent or the parent the child will get much more approval by the narcissist and so they start to tend to you know want to gravitate towards them more um, they're worried themselves about the backlash or losing their parents, their narcissistic parents' affection if they do not choose them. Um, so there's lots of subtle and overt ways that they talk or act or do things that make the child feel like they have to pick, feel like they're in the middle, feel if they don't pick the more narcissistic parent that things won't be nearly as good for them. And it gets kind of reinforced over and over, either materialistically or through out, you know, outward affection or praise that keeps the child feeling like they just want to be with one parent over the other. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that happen too. Thank you for that detailed list of examples again. And also, I just wanted to add that, you know, a lot of times the narcissistic parent will say all the right things and say that, you know, they really want their child to have another, a better relationship with the other parent, but all of their actions and all the ways that they handle things or all the, you know, covert messages they give or the ways that they sort of, you know, passively say negative things about the other parent or put down the other parent starts to make an impact and an influence and the child starts to doubt and not really feel as comfortable or safe or as positively towards the other parent over time due to all of that sort of slow influence that they start to take in and integrate and worry about themselves based on this parent, you know, really pushing a certain agenda, a certain narrative. Mm, yeah, that's a really confusing, confusing environment for the child. Yeah. And then, you know, the child doesn't know really where to turn or how to feel or who to feel their loyalty to, but they want to be with the more powerful parent. Mm, yeah. Uh, then another challenge one might face when co-parenting with the narcissist is diverting attention and narcissistic individuals may try to divert attention away from themselves or their behavior by blaming their co-parent for problems or deflecting criticism onto others. They may also create distractions or drama to keep their co-parent off balance or to avoid taking responsibility for their actions. Can you, Stephanie, please give us more detailed example of how diverting attention could manifest in a co-parenting situation? Yeah, I mean, I think, unfortunately, again, all of these things that you're bringing up are very typical things that people will unfortunately grapple with, experience, and have to learn how to navigate. Um, but I, I think this is the way that you see this a lot is, is if the, the parent that's dealing with the narcissist turns to that person and says, you know, you never gave me information about this activity, or you had all of the emails and never forwarded them to me, or I was never able to get access to them, or I didn't know about certain things that were going on, or I didn't know that, you know, you were missing clothing, or that you, you know, needed certain things. And then the other person, instead of acknowledging that, addressing it, just trying to create a solution or trying to figure out a way to make that happen, they start to blame the other person by saying things like, well, you never do that for me, or you never tell me either, or you do it even worse than me, or it's all because of you that we don't have this information because you weren't responsible to begin with, or you didn't follow through on your own, or you didn't tell me originally what you needed. They twist things around, they change sort of the reality of what happened. 
they make the other person feel like it's their fault and they don't acknowledge, take accountability or look at themselves or say, you know what, this is what I did need to do. I didn't do it. Okay. I'm happy to just create a way to have that occur. They like sort of twist it all around and manipulate the situation to make it look like it's the other person's fault and that the other person really did it wrong as opposed to them actually have started this sort of all the whole negative cycle and, and didn't follow through with their end of things. Yeah, yeah. It's like in their words, they are just reacting to your wrongdoing that you did first or something. Yeah. Or even if they didn't first, they, they turn it around to make it look like the other person didn't do it. Or maybe the other person also didn't do it, but didn't do it the same way or is talking about a slightly different topic, a slightly different aspect of it. They sort of bring together all of these things and they just immediately lash out and say, well, it's your fault or you did it wrong or you didn't do it either. Or, you know, as opposed to just sticking with what did I do? How do I just sort of make this better? How do we move forward? How do we get to a place where we know how we're handling this? And that's how I help people. Like I try to say, let's just get to the heart of the solution. Let's just figure out going forward, how we can make this better or different or forget about who did what to begin with. Let's just create something that you now have a process in which you can move forward and handle the kids in this way that you both can agree to. That's a middle ground for both of you, regardless of who is right or wrong. They, they get into such like a win-lose mindset, a who's right, who's wrong. They can't tolerate that there's something they did wrong or that they could have done that wasn't perfect or better or more superior. Mm. Yeah, yeah, great. Then another challenge one might face when co-parenting with the narcissist is enmeshment. And narcissistic individuals may create an enmeshed relationship with their children, where they rely on their children for emotional support or validation. This can make it difficult for their children to develop healthy boundaries or independence and can create a sense of obligation or guilt towards their narcissistic parent. And Stephanie, can you give us a detailed example of how enmeshment could manifest in a co-parenting situation? Yeah. So when parents get divorced and there's a lot of conflict and a lot of animosity and frustration and parents aren't united and together in a team and aren't there for their kids in a, you know, in a, in a healthy, clear way. Um, and one of the parents, because of already emotional struggles or emotional needs that aren't met or aren't getting what they need from their partner and turn to their kids for that support and validation, um, they, you know, they, they create a situation where they're both so dependent on each other's love and affection and um, that they can't like see past that happening and what it's actually what the parent's doing to the child and how, how the child's then reacting. And then it's very hard for the child to then have a good, healthy relationship with the other parent because it feels like an absolute betrayal of the narcissistic parent. And they, they really start to listen to and believe everything the narcissistic parent says so it makes it incredibly hard for them to feel like it's an okay and, and worthwhile thing to get close to the other parent or have an equally good relationship with the parent. And they also themselves don't know how to, you know, set boundaries with the narcissist and pull themselves away and be their own person and have their own thoughts and feelings. They feel like everything they do is really dependent on that parent's approval and what that parent wants from them. And they don't gain the confidence they need to make their own choices, be their own people, develop into their own independent selves, and um, really just kind of look to the parent. The child looks to the parent for all of the sort of direction and way to be. And um, it gets very convoluted and confusing for the child, especially as they grow up. They can develop a lot of anxiety around this because they don't know how to sort of operate in their own way. They don't really know who they are. Um, they're just so 
sort of built around the identity of the parent and the parent has a very hard time letting go of them and letting them grow up and be their own person and have their own opinions. And it really does manifest in them, the, the parent not really truly feeling that it's not a betrayal to them if that child has a relationship with the other parent. Mm, yeah. Then we have the another challenge that one might face when co-parenting with a narcissist is impulsivity. Uh, narcissistic individuals may be impulsive in their decision-making or behavior, which can create instability or chaos in the co-parenting relationship. They may also act on their own needs or desires without considering, considering the impact on their co-parent or children. Uh, Stephanie, can you give us a more detailed example of how impulsivity could manifest in a co-parenting situation. Yeah, I mean, it, it it manifests a lot in parents saying negative things about the other parent, saying things that are absolutely not appropriate for adults to be talking to children about, um, sharing, you know, very adult-like themes, saying bad things about the other parent's family or friends or people in their community, putting down people, giving them information about the other parent or the other parent's family that's just not developmentally appropriate to hear or talk about, um, or getting really angry and impatient and mean to their child without realizing the ramifications of that, saying things that they don't, you know, that, that can feel really damaging and um, bad for the child to hear, put, having the child be put down or be criticized in a really mean and, and not in a harmful way saying things to the child about who they are, um, like you're no good or you're worthless or you're just like your mother or you're just like your father, or you're just like your father's family. Um, things that if they really stopped and paused and thought about it, they would possibly come off hopefully differently and not as um, harmful and not as upsetting and hurtful. But they say these things not being able to not being able to sort of have a filter or understand the ramifications of it until it's too late after it's been said after the damage has been done after those messages have been internalized after there's been you know a lot of man emotional manipulation around how they've acted and sometimes they can come back and apologize and be accountable and say they're sorry but a lot of times they can't um and don't even still realize as they're given that feedback about how it's affected them or hurt them if the child can say it or the other parent can say it, they still aren't able to actually see that or take that in or be willing to look at that or be accountable. Mm, yeah, thank you. Or so they much. twist it around and say, you deserved it, or because of how you treated me, I did that, or because you weren't being good enough, or you didn't follow what I wanted, or you didn't follow along the rules of what I've created, then you deserve to be treated like that, or you deserve the way that I'm, I'm working on, you know, talking to you or dealing with you. Yeah, yeah, they create this story in their head that somehow makes it okay, they makes their behavior okay, so they can keep doing it. And yeah, it could be anything. <laughs> yeah. Really. Stephanie, thank you so much for uh, walking us through all these challenges again what one might face when co-parenting with a narcissist i really appreciate you going them through in detail and i want to thank everyone for listening and yeah thank you stephanie so much for for coming to this episode and answering all these questions oh thank you again for having me it's really my pleasure and i'm really hoping that i can help as many people as possible with these very difficult and very complex oriented issues that people are facing and I know how much it affects your life on a daily 
and very, you know, ongoing basis as well. Um, I just want to let people know that I do work virtually and um, I'm, you know, very experienced in these areas. I help people individually and as co-parenting in co-parenting counseling, as well as with their children and families all of the time with these issues. So please feel free to go to my website um, to, you know, set up a consultation or an appointment if you'd like. Um, I'm, you know, this is what I do very frequently and, and is definitely something I've developed an expertise in through the years. So I'm happy to help anybody who feels like it could be useful for them. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and share the episode with your friends and family. Have a wonderful rest of your day and see you in the next episode. <laughs>